podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, welcome to the Premier League show. It's me, Chris Brack. It's him, Kevo Sullivan. We've got Luke back from the Park Lane pod, and you know it's important because the boss is in. All right, Kev. I'm great. Good. How are you? Not so bad. No, we, Kev, we've been told off. We've got to behave ourselves now. The boss is in. Yeah, you do what you like. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you do what you like. As if anything I say is ever fucking like taken heed of, you know. Um, no, Let's you walk away. Now, this yeah. is your show. I'm only here as a passenger. Good, good, good. So let's start with Luke. How you doing, Luke? You look, you look a lot happier last time we spoke to you. I think you're in full Conte depression mode, which was um, difficult to see. But I'll be honest, mate. You've got a bit of work to do because um, all the chat preferred Harry. To be honest, mate. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? Like, I'm, I'm good. I'm glad, glad to be back on. Actually, cheers for having me on. But uh, yeah. Do you know what? I'm glad to see the back of Conte. I'm not going to lie. But uh, yeah, it's a big. There's a big task ahead at Spurs, isn't there? Really big task. There is a bit, but while we're with you, let's let's start with Spurs, and then we'll work we'll work backwards to Liverpool. Um, let's be honest, the new manager is a bit of a fresh air, isn't he? You know, he just makes yeah. it fun. I quite like his his humour. I mean, I don't know if people have seen it, but have you seen Gav uh, when he's getting interviewed by BT? So they come and sit down. You know, he comes sit down, and obviously the the mic fella comes, sticks his hand up his up his jumper, and puts a a mic on, and he just looks as smart as he goes. Could introduce yourself first, mate. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> he's got a, but it's quite like he's honest. Dude. He goes like, "Oh, it's a bargain." This fellow, is he forty-five million? He goes, "Yeah, but forty-five million is not a bargain, man. That's a, that's a lot of money, isn't it? <laughs> what, what do you expect?" Has any of that goodwill been dampened after the uh, the cup exit? Uh, a li- a little bit, but I would say only by the minority of people that you know that flip flop back and forth on on views and and all the rest of it. You know. It's difficult for me because I was a big advocate for Ange Postacoglu, um, you know, when we were on a search for a new manager. And, you know, there was a lot of back and forth between fans as to whether, you know, in the same hat it happened to him at Celtic as well. You know, when he got the Celtic job, a lot of people said, you know, who is this guy? Who has he ever managed before? You know, what top flight has he been in? This is the biggest job he's ever had. You know, it continues at every club that he's been. And I'm sure he won't be at Spurs, you know, in the next five to seven years, I wouldn't imagine, because he doesn't stick around that long, you know, at each job. But, you know, the the, the fans have kind of, like, taken to him a lot quicker than I actually expected. But there's also a lot of people that are, that are saying, you know, he got it wrong on uh, on Tuesday night and, uh, you know, making that many changes when we're only playing in three competitions uh, to go out in, the, in effectively the first round that we're in um, is a bit of a nightmare. But, look... You know, we'll get we'll get back on uh, on Saturday lunchtime, and uh, you know we get a win then, and uh, everyone will be happy, won't they? Kev, from what's like outside looking in, because we all know you were a massive Conte fan, you were sick of his praises, <laughs> you you were amazed he was there. But um, yeah. Luke, I'm not, I'm not saying this to try and wind you up, but at the start of the season, you wouldn't expect Tottenham to be winning trophies this year, but. At least it, you want it to have some belief it's going in the right direction, or it's something you can buy into. Whereas I always feel something like Conte style football, and we had it with Julia. You stomach it if it wins your stuff because you don't mind then. Because like, well, the the interest by the means when it doesn't bring you anything, it's it has to be a bit like what's what's the point? 
But the way I look at it with Spurs and what's going on there at the minute is a complete 180. The style of football that Ange is playing compared to what Conte was playing. And you look at the the problem with Conte when he's at a club, when he it it's the, the problems come when he leaves. And the next manager has to fix the problems that he's inherited, which is generally an aging squad, a negative squad, a squad that's been beat to death by his methods. And he's got to turn it around and he's on it he's on the clock because look, Ange is an unknown quantity really when it comes to the Premier League. Yeah, he'd done okay at Celtic, but so did Brendan Rogers. You know what I mean? It's there's limits Steve, to this stuff. Yeah, Steve Jared done right. I think that well. Yeah, but the problem the Spurs had was over their head they had a hurricane issue that was going to be that had to be resolved, as well as trying to change the philosophy and the ideals of how Ange wants to play football. And there was a moment at the end of the game at the weekend when all you heard from the Spurs fans in the ground was, we've got our Tottenham back. you know. And you can tell by the performances on the pitch, they were entertaining to watch. They were attacking, they were open, they were aggressive. And he tur- he's turned players that were nowhere near the squad under Conte, and Yves Basuma is a classic example of it, mm-hmm. into players that looked like you know, absolutely outstanding players that that's what they bought him for. And this is only the start of it. They've definitely got issues. Spurs need to be busy in the window. Looks like tonight they've got Sergio Reguilon out the door, um, which is a good move for Spurs to Manchester United on loan. With apparently there's a break in that one that he can be sent back after six months. So look, yeah. it's it's one of those deals that you just get him out. out that's a tomorrow problem for Spurs. But I would I would expect Spurs to be busy busy enough tomorrow. You know they they're definitely going to be more players out. And I think there's got to be players coming in there as well. So it's got, it's, it, I'm happy for the Spurs fans that I know because <laughs> they've put up with an unmerciful amount of shite over the last three, two, three years between Mourinho, the Joker from Wolves, and then Conte. You know, it's, they've needed to get back to something resembling what they want to do. And this is a start. I think this, I think he's got to be a hell of a, I think he's got to be a really good manager for them. And they'll love him. They'll absolutely love him. Gav, how are you sort of seeing things with Tottenham? Because, I mean, you know, new manager and pretty much the talisman of the club is out, out the door. You know, and that's, and Kev says that's been hanging over Spurs for two, three years probably. So, you know, in some ways it's easier because it's new manager, fresh start, fresh break. You know, so it's kind of like you cut the Harry Kane thing off before he comes through the door. But right, Harry's gone, new manager's in, Evans a fresh start. Yeah, look, I've spoken to... Uh various sports fans um on their channel and, and other channels and, and my big thing on, on sports was is that they needed someone like this. Um the whole route of Conte and Mourinho was <sighs> give off the impression that they're going big but they're actually digging holes for themselves and the 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 lad I was going on and banging on about when this came up um a while ago when Conte's um you know future was in real doubt was uh, the guy at Brentford. Um, mm. Frank is it, isn't it? Is that his name? Thomas Frank. Frank. Yeah, what? Frank. Yeah. Um, what did I say? Frank. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's how much I pay attention. Um, but the guy from Brentford and people were like, "Yeah, but look, he's only done it at Brentford." And I was like, "Yeah, but he's done it. It's it's good. Like, you know, stop going down this Mourinho route where he literally come in, spend a load of money, decimate all sort of morale in the in the place. Fuck off." after whatever amount of time, after getting probably an extension to a contract. He's done that United as well. Then you have Conte, who comes in, does very similar to him, 
through so many fucking wobblers it was untrue like the one away at Burnley was off the off the like off the charts Matt you know the sort of way and people were like who did he bring in and, and alright Ange Postacoglu was was in um, Japan wasn't he and then he's he's at, he's at Celtic he wins five five trophies at Celtic but the big thing uh, from watching Celtic is and what he's doing at Spurs is is that he he builds his team for the players to do what they're good at okay he doesn't try you know, square pegs, round holes, or try make someone into something they're not. He he sees a player, he knows they have ability, he might want to change them, but he basically goes and says, you're good at that, I'm going to put you in the team to do that. You know, if you look at Celtic, like he had um, he had Kyogo up front. Kyogo's not a hold-up man. He doesn't run loads of channels. He's in around the box. So what they do is, they make the Roy men work really hard, and they get the ball in the box to this lad. They they fellas in midfield that won't score loads of goals, won't break lines, but will hold the ball and, and play football. And that's what he made them do. And then he found a couple of midfielders that could break lines and could get assists and goals. And he added that into the mix as well. So they all just played to their potential and what they're good at. Eves Basuma, you, you've mentioned, Eves Basuma is great at holding the ball, moving up the pitch with the ball. Do you know what I mean? And things like that works. The Harry Kane stuff, I think, is being big for him. I think that gives him more time um, if you do have any little blips because Harry Kane has been... Like let's be honest, he's been phenomenal for Spurs for ten years, and the fact that he's gone now and that's out of the way, right? Spurs are not stronger for it, but there's a much more clarity to where Spurs are because of that move. And with him in there, you see him like a very open game against Brentford on the opening day. I think it was, um, they beat United after struggling a little bit, but he finds his form and he goes and beats them. He wins away at Burnley, which you expect him to win. But when you're watching Spurs now, it's it's not that they're more entertaining. I don't think it's that. I think it's just you're going, yeah, he's good at that and he's doing it. We're not we're not asking this left winger to be a, a 10. We're not asking this forward to be a, a right-sided winger. He's just good at that stuff and he's being very simple in the way he's doing it. It's a really clever approach because he could have went in there and went, I need this, 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 this and this. But that's Conte and, and Mourinho. Whereas Ange Postacoglu probably doesn't hold the, the esteem of these two. But he's looked at players and went, put them in where they're meant to play and play to their, to their strengths instead of trying to wedge them into something that you have in your mind. And I think he's a brilliant appointment. I think, um, I don't know how busy they'll be tomorrow. I think I think he might want a bit more time working with what he has. And from January and maybe next summer, you'll start to see the changes. But you can't argue with his appointment. Forget what he's done before. It's what he does now. And the, the early signs, I think, for sports are really good. Excellent. So, Kev, going from something quite positive in Tottenham and a manager. Sorry, Bournemouth TV, didn't he? Um, oh, let's um, go to our let's go work. to our let's go to our usual section of uh, of our Thursday night show. How shit's the officiating? Because okay. it's, it's just we just we just do a scale. <laughs> it's a feature for it now, Kev. Is this They're the where we shit. all do drugs? Yeah, we just yeah. Have a shit. We just go on a scale of how shit was this week. Mm-hmm. So, well, we'll talk about the Van Dyke one because. I'll be honest. This is split along along the fan base. You may have had disagreements over it, Kev. I'll give my take. I think yeah. Van Dijk red to red. Uh, yeah. If you ask me, I think it's anywhere on the pitch. It's a free because I think he goes through his ankle before he gets the ball, and because it's goal score opportunity, it's red card. I kind of think it's a box standard one. Um, where my frustration is with the official is, look, if he's going to get a one game ban or a four game ban, we can debate over that for gobbling off the official. They're the rules, so be it. But we're back to the same thing of the lack of consistency. So Trent gets booked for a 
throwing the ball away. That's the rule. So be it. Two minutes later, Gordon lamps the ball away. Out. You know, we had we had Joe Linton who basically, I think he committed eight fouls in the game, kicked everyone in the air, told the ref to f off numerous times, still yet to get a booking. And I think that's where you're at the point of going. They're just so inconsistent, you know, and that's where we get frustrated. We saw the McAllister red. You see the same tackle by Joe Linton, a completely different game. Nothing's given. But I don't really know how how we're going to get this because I agree with you. I think they're going to make an example of Van Dyke a little bit. Because I think the the embarrassment of the two previous weeks they've had to overturn the McAllister red card and they had to apologise for the Wolves balls up at Old Trafford. Yeah, look, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't think the, this core group of referees are anywhere near as good as what the Premier League needs, especially in a VAR era. The Mike Dean interview really hurt the officials that they have at the minute. It absolutely wrecked them for me. Um, the idea that you've got people doing VAR, like Mike Dean, who come out and said, I am not equipped to do this job. He, it's, it's a damning, a damning statement to come out and make. I applaud his honesty for making it, but it literally takes the whole process of what VAR is and throws it in the bin. The um, Van Dyke one, look, at the end of the day, he's, he made the rod for his own back by the way he acted after the red card. And he's, We'll find out tomorrow what the action is going to be, whether they're going to really make an example of him or whether they're going to give him the two game, you know, the, the one game ban for the foul and maybe one more for um, dissent. That one could be more. It could be one with one bending. It could be three with one hanging over. We don't know. So we'll see about it. But the, the you're stand, right. I stand, guarantee. The standard for it is supposed to be one, but. Yeah. There's I guarantee you this week. This well, weekend, no, well, then there's no reason for them to be able to understand. I think it says you. I yeah. think it's on like one, but can I think there's the, the caveat can be extended depending on the extreme. What depending on what? I don't know how many times you swear, how aggressive you are. You the know, ref's you not can, counting that. It can only can only be extended on, on possible past red cards or past yeah. incidents of this. Like that's why. Sorry, that's why I think here, and I give my view, and then you can walk away. Yeah, right? Yeah. They're incompetent, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's the only word for them. They're fucking incompetent, right? And we like this show is turning into Ref Watch. We might actually just call it Ref Watch from next well, week, it? right? But it's great crack. I really enjoy it. I listen to it every week, and it's probably one of the shows I do listen to because the other ones I'm that busy working on, I don't listen back to. But they're incompetent, and the reason they're incompetent is because they're making up all these rules, okay, to protect themselves. To, to, to keep themselves in this bubble where you can't touch them. But then they can't actually, you know, enforce what they're meant to enforce. Go back to the weekend. You can argue over Van Dijk if it's a red card or not. My argument is he fouls him. I don't think it's a, a clear goal-scoring opportunity. All right? The fact that Van Dijk is there means it's not a clear um, goal-scoring opportunity. The fact that he's side on, you know, I think if that ball rolls another... If, if Isaac takes another step... And is beyond, completely beyond Van Dyke, and he doesn't. Yes, I'm with that. But they're side by side as they hit, so I have my doubts over that. But listen, the red card's the red card. What Van Dyke does is ridiculous. Okay, um, as a captain, first of all, um, he shouldn't be doing what he done afterwards. I've no issues with that. The issue I have here is now that they've they've brought in these rules to protect themselves and and you know put this armor up around them, and then they can't seem to deal with it, like. Trent Alexander-Arnold doesn't throw the ball away. Trent Alexander-Arnold is pushed in the back, in nearly into the dugout, falls, okay? 
I think kicks the ball. All right, back onto the pitch he, or throws throw, it back on. Thinking think he he's putting it back. it back into play to take a free kick. That's yeah, what he's yeah. thinking is happening. Gets up off the ground, okay? Gets up off the ground and gets a yellow card for it, okay? Joe Linton makes those fouls and is constantly walking around waving this imaginary card at the referee, which is meant to be a bookable offence, by the way. He actually points to the referee's back pocket in the Verge of Van Dijk incident, which means he should be booked. He kicks people up in the air and just continues to, to moan at the referee, and the referee does nothing. Gordon kicks the ball away. Just book him. But what's happening here is now, they're, they're actually selective in when they enforce these decisions, okay? Which then makes the rod for their back on the Trent situation because n- somebody said to me the other day, not every foul is yellow, right? Yep. Trent puts his arm up, the two of them are racing, everyone puts their arm up when they're going to take off against somebody. Gordon barely gets touched, hits the deck, right? Most days you get a yellow card for that. But because he's made such a mess of earlier on, how can he give this this red card? And this is where the incomp- incompetence comes. It's constant incompetence all the time, every week, whether that's uh, penalty decisions, you know, um, red card decisions, yellow card decisions, kicking the ball away. They are so inconsistent because they don't know what they're doing. They do not know what they're doing. And they're actually not managing the game. They're managing the reaction. And that is the issue here. They're managing the reaction of media and pundits and the likes of me and you. And that's what's wrong. You, you hear referees all the time, oh, they're managing the occasion, not the game. This is what they're doing. They're yeah. managing they're managing the outcome and they're managing what's going to be said afterwards. It's complete incompetence, right? They're not fit for purpose. And anyone that tells me they are, I think, I think they're lying to me because this is a joke now at this stage. No matter who you have on the pitch, <clears throat> in a transavan in Stockley Park, in a room somewhere, four of them, six of them, eight of them, wherever it might be, Right, and even the fellas that have retired who are sitting on Sky now going, oh, I didn't really want to upset me, mate. Like, this is beyond a joke now. The PGMOL should be removed from the Premier League, right? Removed from the Premier League, and the Premier League should directly employ their referees. And then everyone knows who they're answering to. But right now, we'll sit in this bubble where everyone's safe, and we'll just continue this on every single week. And it's a joke. It's an absolute and utter joke. That's all it is. So, Luke... Going on the theme of this being a joke, uh, yeah. as announced, I think it was kind of last night or this morning, UEFA have basically said in the Champions League they will not be enforcing the same level of time wasting restrictions and quick yellow cards that the Premier League are doing because they've basically said getting 12 and 13 minutes added time for these little piddly fouls is ridiculous and they've thrown in player welfare <laughs> as an issue, which then got the which has then obviously got the player side going. Yeah, we we told you this was stupid, didn't we? So, all in all, it's a bit it's a bit farcical. The one thing I'd love to introduce, which is what I saw the women's World Cup, which if they did this in the Premier League, it'd be hilarious. Which is, join the sent to the monitor. I don't know if you've seen this, Gav. Yeah. Um, in the women's World Cup, when they were sent to the monitor, mm-hmm. the girl looked at the official looked at what she saw, and she pressed the button, which connected to the tannoys in mm-hmm. the same. And she goes, "That there, player five, yellow card rescinded." Red card conduct penalty. Mm-hmm. Whether you agree, and I saw the decisions, you went, Oh, you've got that miles wrong. That's not yeah, a red Chris, card. That's, that's, you went, you went that's only enough. a minuscule of what needs to be done. But that's, though, but really. that's what's yeah. called transparency. And it is. This, I'm banging on about the, you know this, I'm banging on about this for a don't know how long. The lack of transparency gives them the grey area where they can sit on, on this throne and no one can go near them. Because mm-hmm. even if he goes and looks at that, right? 
and looks and looks and looks and comes back and just goes penalty. Nobody knows why who's made the decision or why he's made the decision. No, he's answerable to nobody. Nobody mm-hmm. is he answerable to. And you're going, you're, you're literally going, oh, he, he kicked the ball away, yellow card, Trent. He's kicked the ball away. Why aren't you booking him? He's waving, a, yeah. he's waving this card room. Why aren't you booking him? So when are we? Are we just gonna? Are we just gonna choose when? Basically, they're choosing when to enforce the rules depending on how the game is going, and that's not right. It's like we always say: if the ball is tipped off and a fella launches the ball up towards a forward, and the forward goes in and smacks the defender with an elbow after eight six seconds, he should leave the pitch, gone. But people say, "Oh, a bit too early for that." No, it's not. That's but they're, they're literally refereeing on what's gone before and what may come after, and that's not how you referee. It's simply not. And if a team of them now, it's not one fella, it's a fucking team of them yeah. that between them nope. can't do it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. The point I made with the Wins World Cup was the language they use was very deliberate and descriptive. So if it, mm-hmm. if it, it's only for red cards and penalties and goals and offsides, but it was descriptive in terms of penalty, handball, number four. Yeah. So you knew what they'd given, whether you agreed with it or not, and which player they'd given it against. Now we can then yeah. go later going, as we always do in football, that's bollocks. I don't agree with that. But no one then can say, well, it wasn't number four. It's actually number five. No, no. The ref looked at it and said they saw number four foul. Whether you agree with it or not, Luke, that at least be a step in the forward where you go, well, okay, whether I agree with it or not, I know why they've given it. Because the, op- yeah. the options are there. But oh, look, obviously, we don't always, people just do it's the Liverpool fan moan fest. But we've, me and Kev have done this now since the season started. And we've brought up plenty of instances that, non Liverpool related and just gone like it's a lack of it's lack of consistency and I'm sure you can probably testify for your team some of the nonsense you've seen. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, there's some stuff that's not gone against us as well this season already, you know, that potentially could have been. Um you know, we could talk about the Romero handball against Manchester United compared to the Romero foul um by um Martinez um in the same game. But one went before the other, and one wasn't given, so the other one wasn't given. the 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 thing I the thing I liked about the Women's World Cup was, as you say, you could hear a portion of what they were talking about, and that and that is a step in the right direction. But it's still not enough, you know. If they really want to quash all of these issues that you know were coming up, you know, as you say, the ex referees talking about, oh, I didn't want to give such and such for my friend and and whatnot, then we need to hear the full conversations. We need to hear what is being said. We need to hear what they're deliberating over. And there is no reason whatsoever in this entire earth in why they can't do that. The only reason they won't do that is because they're obviously hiding something. And I don't believe they ever will show us because it will just show, as as Gav said, so many flaws in the system that exist. And, you know, I, I don't believe in, you know, one team gets more or less than another team. You know, we all look at it subjectively based on the teams that we support. And, and that's how football will always be. My issue with it is, is as you say, is the inconsistency constantly, and the uh, you know, and that that happens. I don't have a problem with the added time. I really don't. I don't. I don't think that player welfare is nonsense. Do you know what I mean? You know, play, if teams play twice a week, 
it's twice a week. I, I really don't have a big issue with this, but what, what I want to stop is I do want to stop, you know, needless time wasting. You guys saw it against Newcastle last season where you ended up actually scoring in, in that extra time and, uh, and won the game. And it was a kind of a middle finger up to Newcastle at the time, but you know, that's you on the best. That's Luke. That was what Luke. That was one of the best post-match shows me and Kevin have ever been on. We were both still <laughs> high as a kite after that one. <laughs> and and that's it. Like sometimes it does work in in your favour, but those times when you don't win that game and you don't get it, you know, I think Newcastle last season were probably the team who had the ball in play for the fewest amount of minutes. You know, we're looking at, at sometimes fifty minutes in the game that the ball is actually in play. So I really don't have a big problem with the added on time. What I have a problem with is the inconsistency of referees and the lack of transparency that we hear from the referees. And, you know, the only way that will stop is by allowing us to hear the conversations that they have. But, you know, whether it's um, at the stadium, be a bit more difficult. And that way you could add in the tannoys as, um, as you've mentioned from the world cup, but for TV broadcast, you could just, you know, hook up the, the audio. Feed from, yeah, exactly. And why won't they do that? Because they don't want us to hear what they're talking about. And that's the problem. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I I agree with all of you. You're all right. And the thing is, it's nice to hear someone else from a di- that sports a different club, a different viewpoint, watches different games, saying exactly the same thing. It's not a case of we all club together and decided, yeah, this is what we're all going to agree on. It's common sense stuff that we need to hear that conversation. The TV commentators hear it. So the, the audio feed is there. It would be a start if they... And I think this is something that came out of the podcast with Mike Dean. Release that audio, that audio file from each game every week to the media and let them play that over the incidences that happened. And it, it would be a start. But there's and there's and Luke is spot on. There's absolutely no reason why that shouldn't happen. And I think it would be the betterment of everyone if we could hear hear that decision making process as it's played out in real time, you know. But it's it's a process. It'll happen. I think it was Oshie McGinley there who's saying that um, this is the Women's World Cup was a trial. You'll see it again trialed in maybe the next Euros, and then eventually leagues a, a league will be asked to do it at another trial. It's just going to take time, but it's going to happen eventually. There's no but, way but, the media companies. So, so, so it's going it to it take 20, too much time. The Premier League will be the last one to bring it in. Of course they were. Like they were the last one to bring in VAR and the last to bring in this technology and that technology because they don't like to be questioned. They don't like to be questioned. Like those managers and players, you know, sporting directors, directors of football, chairman, whoever, right? And they're all questioned on a daily basis in the media as to what's going on at the club, what's this, what's that. Everyone is questioned except the people that actually can possibly determine the outcome of games. And... I'm not asking them to be I'm not asking to be perfect. That's no. that's nobody's perfect. All I'm asking is how much more how many more people do you need? How many more replays do you need? And how many more fucking rules do you need to get it right? That's all I'm asking. Like mm. you, you know what I mean? It'd be like Kev, it'd be like you going down and me saying to you, Kev, can you go down um to the shop and fill in this lottery ticker for me with these six numbers, please? And you constantly come back with five and one of them is, is wrong, right? Are you saying to me, Gav, can you go and buy milk and bread and I come back with milk and biscuits? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it, it and then I was like, right, well, we're going to have to send someone with Gav or someone with Kev because mm. clear, neither of these boys can buy milk it's, and bread or fill out a this, fucking lottery ticket. 
Right? This sounds like a night out of Liverpool, this guy. Well, it could be a night out of Liverpool <laughs> as well. But do you know what I'm saying? How many? How much more did he need? And the thing is, the more they add to the rules, the technology, the, what they have available to them, the more they get wrong. It's actually not a solution anymore. You'd be, I genuinely mean this. You would be better off going back and telling all that video stuff to go away. We're putting the ref back in the middle of the pitch on his own because it's proven they were getting something like 96% of decisions correct, right? They are making massive errors here every single week. The guy off sports should should go against United, right? He's up on the shin on Bruno Fernandes, and I don't like Bruno Fernandes. He should go. But what happens? Nothing happens, right? And McAllister, there, there's one. Well, actually, should he go? We don't know. But based on the McAllister stuff from a kickoff two hours beforehand, he should definitely go. But what's going on? This VAR team have a different outlook to this VAR team. They're all meant to be the same. Mm-hmm. It's all meant to be uniformed in what they're doing. And they, one, it's not uniformed. And two, they cannot carry out their duties and the rules of football. And the only way they do that is by reacting to what's gone on before or what may happen afterwards. And that's what they're doing. It's it's a shambles, Kev. It's an absolute mm-hmm. shambles. And all this it takes time stuff is nonsense. Absolute and utter nonsense. I find it amazing that for the amount of money that Sky, BT are buying these TV rights for, that they're not demanding it. They should be absolutely demanding And for all of the, the stuff that the Premier League have done so far in the first three games about cutting down on time-wasting and descending. They've added on average something like four minutes of to each game of in-ball action in games for the first three games of the season. So mm-hmm. all of this hullabaloo about yellow cards and players getting sent off for innocuous stuff like Tommy Asio at Arsenal, it's added four minutes. You know, It's not well, earth-shattering compared that, to the amount that, of stuff that they're missing. Yeah, but Kev, it's added, it's added four minutes, but it's also had 13 minutes at a time for most of these games as well. So actually... When you go, when you sort of average that out, it makes a real difference, to be honest. Mm. But anyway, let's talk about yeah. let's talk about the games at the weekend. You know, sort of winners and losers. Who who impressed you? Who you know what results didn't impress you? I mean, look, we could be biased. I think I think I still think the Liverpool win is probably the most substantial oh, win because it's it's two sides going for top four. You know, so it's those clashes sort of do mean mean that that little bit little bit more. But I thought you know, good results. Good result for Tottenham. Um, Villa, I think, have bounced back well from the Newcastle Newcastle loss. Probably the ones that probably stood out a bit more was um, Arsenal and United both going down to early goals. One getting the comeback, one not quite getting the comeback. So, I mean, Luke, obviously, I'm sure you enjoyed the Arsenal result more than most, you know. But you know, is that just is it just a one-off game? These lot these things happen. I mean, I think their record Arsenal at home is the did drop any points at home to anybody who was sort of below sort of eighth. Uh, but they now have a record now. I think that's the third home game in a row now they've conceded within the first three minutes. So that's starting to become a bit of a pattern. Yeah, definitely. And, and they conceded, you know, if we remember late on in the season last season, you know, against Southampton, um, they conceded mm-hmm. really early as well. Um, look, Arsenal are Arsenal. And, uh, you know, as much as I dislike Arsenal, you know, they, they they have been playing well and you know I can't can't deny that. It is good to see them, you know, play you know, because they fought they did fight back in this game and then to see them uh Fulham have a man sent off and then still get back and get a point and potentially they could have gone on and won it as well, uh with Triore running through quite late on. Um 
it was good to see. You know, I think I think Arsenal will be right this season. I don't think they'll, you know, I don't think they'll win the league by you know any shot. I think you know third or fourth is probably where they'll sit this season. I think a lot of people are, you know, hyping them up far too much based on you know one off season last season um, where a lot of teams did falter. Um, but United looked like looked like they're in trouble. They were they were poor against Wolves. They were better first half against us, but absolutely capitulated against Spurs. Um, and they were, you know, 2-0 down, very early doors against uh, relegation for the Forest. So um, it's definitely, you know, all to play for. Will United get top four? Hundred percent not. But, you know, I'd be surprised if they got Europa League, to be honest. Well, as it stands, Kev, um, if it all, all stays as it is, fifth actually gets your Champions League this, this season. Yeah, depending on what happens with other leagues. But yeah, it's looking likely that um, top five will qualify for next season's Champions League. Apparently today was the last ever Champions League draw. So yeah. it's going to be somewhat new next year. So we'll, we'll get on to talk about that in I a minute. I think it's more probably... of a league format next year, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but... So you'll have I like, I think you have something like two leagues of um, 18 or something like Eight. that or, yeah. or just two big leagues and you pay so many in your own league and so many in the league and it's all over the place yeah it's, it's yeah, a matter top, top they go through then yeah, finish yeah. ninth below you played over in a playoff to go through yeah something yeah, like that it's yeah. mad. but for me last weekend the biggest winner of last weekend for me was West Ham Agreed. I mean to, to go away to Brighton in the form that Brighton have showed in the free scoring form that Brighton have showed this season so far to go away there, have 22% possession and win 3-1 and absolutely deserve to win it as well. It wasn't as if it was highway robbery. They managed that game brilliantly and they hurt Brighton on the break all day long. It was, it was well, it was a joy to watch, to be honest. Yeah. That, Brighton, that Brighton loss felt very much like how Brighton lost to Everton last year. And it was a very yeah. similar style game. Everton had 30% of the ball, barely had a kick of the ball, smacked him on the break every time. I think they put five past Brighton. I think yeah, I suppose yeah. the way Deserby plays, I think he's he's just like it's the hand you dealt the way I play, which is it'd be great, it'd be brilliant to watch, but you will get, occasionally get the odd hammering like this, and you just have to take mm-hmm. it on the chin and move on. You know, I mean, yeah. to be fair, they've got they've got to sign Fatty from um, Barcelona alone, Barcelona, which is yeah. just, that's such an exciting sign. And I think if any of the top six sides have signed him, we've all gone. Oh, that's an, an interesting side. And so, you know, fair, fair play to Brighton. But they're a side you'd sort of go out your way to watch. But listen, fair play to West Ham. You know, the, I think they've actually bought well with the Declan Rice money. You know, they've bought in lads yeah. who can cover areas that Declan Rice would do because you're never going to replace him as a person. So they've sort of replaced elements of him with two or three signs to give them a bit bit more to do. Including Jace Ward-Prowse. They replaced him in, they replaced him in the aggregate. Is that what they call it? Yeah, it's all like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, look and that. look at the players that they brought in to replace him. James Ward Prowse, brilliant. You know, he was he was brilliant at the weekend. Um, I think Bowen is a fantastic footballer as well. I can see us looking at him seriously this season to see to see how he goes. You know, I think he's got to be on a lot of clubs' radars this season. Alvarez comes in; he looks like he's done really well. You know, I mean, he wouldn't have had a training session, kind of the same as um, Endo with us. He wouldn't have really. Mm-hmm done much work with with uh, West Ham as they were. But yeah, he's come in and done really well. Agbana came in. I think, did Agbana come off the bench? Or did he... He might have started that one, I'm not sure. But you look at the way they they're go up and down that squad, considering the amount of football they played last year and the confidence they had gained from winning the, winning the conference, 
bar losing Declan Rice, which they knew was happening anyway, it looks like they've had a really good summer. And <coughs> they're going to be interesting to see what they do this year, especially when Europe starts and see how that, that evolves and if they can improve their because their league form was horrendous last year. Uh, but it, they'll need to improve that league form. And David Moyes deserves all the credit in the world, to be fair to him. Good. And Gav, because I know you like talking about them. Do you want to talk about the Blues? That went well. RDF. Um, <laughs> do, do you know what? Like, it, I hear so many people saying, you know what? Like, you know, if they go down and think, oh, listen. They go down, it's a disaster for them. I, people are like Liverpool fans going, oh, no, you missed the Derby. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. They're circling the fucking drain here for I don't know how many years. I want them to go down. I'm putting it on record now. I want them to go down. But it's the hilarious way they're doing it. Um, right now, it's which is brilliant because first day of the season they should be two or three up against Fulham and lose one nil to an eighty fifth minute goal. I think something like that. Um, they go away and they got their arses handed to them at Villa. Um, I watched that live from Liverpool. In fairness, that was great. Um, and then they and Kev Kev they got have, a brilliant what's up from me. Is it just it's about it's about fifteen minutes since the Everton game and I text Kev saying, right, Everton have missed loads of chances here. Wolves haven't even had a shot. Yeah, put your money on one 0 Wolves. Yeah, and he just yeah. laughs. He goes, "You, he laughed, he goes, you bitter you." And yeah, came no, back, no, went, it's, you it's not that you see because I've seen that before. I was the exact same, right? On, on Saturday, it was about half hour on Saturday. There was about seventy five odd minutes gone, and it was nil nil. And I said to myself, "What are the chances of Wolves scoring late here for one nil?" And then they did, and they played three, lost three, scored none, conceded six. They brought in this guy, Beto. We scored against Doncaster. People think he's going to be the Messiah. Um, but they're all over the place. They are absolutely all over the place. Um, they go to Sheffield United at the weekend. And I genuinely think if they lose that, I think they'd be calling for Deutsch's head. I think that's how far it's gone. Um, I absolutely think that's that's how far it's gone. Um, Have you heard Everton's record for the first three games as well? They look stat against them. Every no. team they've played in the first three games has started on zero points and finished with three points. Yeah, well, there you go. There you and go. That's, and they've now got a fourth time of trying to do that trick as well. Um, but look, I think they're all over the place. I think um, I think they're over-egging what they have in the squad and I think they're short, well short of what they need. You know, you look at Wolves, Wolves are all over the place at the minute, just go and win at everything. Fulham aren't a bad side, but then you look at Villa and they go to Villa, and the big thing for me there is um, they go one down and they just stop. It's just like we're not winning this game. The belief completely and utter, utterly goes out with them. I agree with Kev, though. I was really impressed with West Ham. Now, in fairness, um, Ariola and Gold was pulling off saves all over the shop, but you're expected to do that in away games. The, the big thing for West Ham was is when they did get the ball, they looked threatening every single time they got it. They weren't just launching it and trying to get out. They look threatening every time they got it. I was really impressed with West Ham. That bone goal class. The bone goal. The bone. The bone goal actually reminds me of the Salah goal against West Ham during Shaqiri's COVID. Yeah, yeah. Shakiri's ball to him and he just takes a touch and puts it across the keeper. But um, look, it's early days, but you'd worry for a couple of teams. You'd worry for a couple of teams. Like Forest go to United to tune it up. They should. They should hold out. I don't care who. I don't care if they're Manchester United. You're tuning it up. You go and you put your backs to the wall and you say, right, we're not leaving here. We're anything less than the point. But that's where Forrest are and they're trying to sign another load of players and that's just that's just their thing. But um, over the weekend, I really, look, I love the Liverpool stuff, but we've, we've talked about that loads. Um, I think, uh, I'm, I'm just looking back through them. 
Um, Spurs was a good win at Bournemouth, in fairness. It was a good win at Bournemouth. Um, Arsenal draw, but Arsenal do that. Arsenal will do that more this season than they did last. They started to do that at the back end of last season, and they'll, they will do it again this season. Um, I think Sheffield United will take something from there. Although they got beat by City, yeah, I think they will. They made, they made them work. Yeah, Listen, look, they did make them work, on another yeah. day, Harlan probably gets a hat trick. You know, he misses yeah. a penalty, he misses a couple of yeah. chances. But look, you need that luck. Whether you're Sheffield United or Arsenal, Liverpool playing City, you need a bit of luck. But mm. I thought they made them work for it, and they gave them a scare right near the end. You know, forced them into probably uncharacteristic City errors. So yeah. they need to now. Can they maintain that sort of form when they're playing the likes of the Everton's, Nottingham Forest, the teams that basically that's what's going to keep them up. So, yeah. but you know, I, th- I just think it's, it, you know, like it, it feels already like one of those seasons where you look at the fixtures at the and you go, oh, that's a big one. Do you know the sort of way? Look, there's, there's always mm. weeks where you go, that might be one or two big games, but there's, there's games in there now again, like Sheffield United Everton feels a huge game, fourth game of the season, but it feels a huge game. You know the sort of way. Everton lose that, and you're looking going, well, hold on, like, Arsenal, uh, Arsenal Man United now feels an interesting game. Yeah, well, Arsenal should be going and winning that. Of judging off, judging off, you know, you know, but like Sheffield United have no points either of Burnley, Luton, everything. There's four of them down there with zero points. Now, Luton play West Ham, I think, on Friday night, do they? Friday night at home, yeah. yeah. It's and, their, and first first game, game it's their first game, it's their first game, um, so that's yeah. a big one for them. Burnley have been a bit unfortunate, they've only played, they've only played two though, haven't they? Um, because that game was called off, um, with Luton, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. and then everything on the bottom, but Sheffield United, even if Sheffield United beat everything, they only go to three points. But it feels like it's huge because yeah. you put one over on them. It's it's it just feels like somebody said it there. Um, the, the season it feels uh, red, uh, red, white, and red said uh, the league wide open this season. That's what it feels like in all aspects of it. It's wide open, like throughout the whole league, and you're gonna. I think you're gonna be turning around and looking at going. There's four or five big games here every single weekend at, at both ends of the table from early. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at our game at the weekend. When you look at the start of the season and you look at our four, first four fixtures, if you turn around and said, okay, you'll take 10 from 12 out of that, It'd you'd be, be absolutely delighted with life because you take that. I, I would take that every season, to be honest. You know, t- ideally, t- you want to win every game, but you take 10 from 12 all day long, every day of the week. This time I- last year, after five games, after the first four games, we were at five points. And you, I looked at the table from after four games this time last year. And you, the signs were there already as to who was going to suffer, who was going to be in trouble, and who was going to be like Arsenal were way out in front, and they went on a massive run. So the, the telltale signs were there at the start of last season, and it's going to be the same again this season. There's some cracking games this weekend, you know. It's yeah, starting it's... off Friday night, and it's just going to go straight through all the way, you know all the way to four thirty on Sunday with Arsenal against Manchester United. And you yeah, wouldn't expect it, but Chelsea Forest at, at three o'clock yeah. on uh, on Saturday could be a, a hell of a game. You know how poor Chelsea have been. You just don't know which Chelsea are going to turn up, do you? You also don't know which team because there's, there's, there's like twenty seven of them. So, <laughs> and they bought another three probably today. So you know, exactly. I mean, you're like no idea, no, absolutely no idea. Uh, don't have a Chelsea player in your fantasy football teams. All I'd say, <laughs> right? Impossible. So we've got about fifteen minutes before we go because. Gav's, Gav's put me in the strict instructions to try and stick to time for once. Um, transfer deadline day tomorrow. Kev, it's you and me and a couple of others going to watch the end of the window. Yeah. Um, looking at the squads, guys, who do you look at and go, yeah, they're fine? Or who do you look at and go, they still like they need work to do? My opinion is, now that City have done 
looks like City have done the lad from Wolves. City are about where you'd expect City to be squad wise. Yeah. But I think below after that, I think you could I think you could pick a hole or a, or a, an area in those squad. So if you take Arsenal, I think Arsenal have bought well. But I still feel Arsenal feel a bit 13, 14 Liverpool in terms of <coughs> it's not the deepest of squads and they were able to play a lot of kids in Europa League and that's why they didn't need it. But I don't think you can afford to do that. And is Fabio sort of like a Fabio Vieira and Eddie and Ketty, they do okay. But are you going to have to rely on them in a Champions League big game or you got to, when you've got three games a week? I don't know. But there are Luke, who do you think? Who are you sort of thinking that they're good business? They don't seem to have too many holes, or is there plenty of looking going need lots of holes filling? Yeah, look, I think I think I agree with you. You know, not West Ham's biggest fan, but I think they've I think they've bought well, and I think they actually, you know, in terms of squad depth, I think they look probably slightly stronger now without Declan Rice in the sense of you know they have multiple players now to be able to fill multiple holes rather than you know relying on one sole player. It's it's a little bit like what Spurs should have done when they sold Harry Kane, because and I did want to mention this, like, I think it was the right time to sell Harry Kane. And I think that you couldn't allow him to go on a free transfer next year to anybody in the Premier League. And this is the best thing that Spurs could possibly do, because what are the chances that we play Bayern Munich in the next, you know, four years, apart from if we get back in the Champions League and potentially then get him in a, a draw or a knockout game. Um, Spurs are still short, definitely, in terms of um, a goal-scoring threat. I think Arsenal is short of a, of a real uh, good goal-scoring threat. I don't think um, between Jesus and uh, and Nketiah, I don't think they'll get enough goals that they need to get. Um, I think West Ham have done well. City have probably done. Brighton have done well, as they usually do. Um, I suppose also, like, I think potentially, you know, because we haven't seen a lot. I say I always say this, but you look at who they have signed. But Newcastle, you know, I still think that they... They're potentially short, you know, in terms of especially looking at that Champions League draw that come out today in their group. I just, I just don't see how they um, have, you know, enough to be able to co- to compete at that level. I think that, that they'll be out before you know it. But you know, I there's, there's, yeah, I think with Newcastle, I think it's a great group on. So it's a glamour names, you know, the, the AC Milan's, Dortmunds, they're the exciting ones, but. Me and Kev sort of looked at the Dortmund squad and the Milan squad and going like, the the great names, but the squads and the quality squads aren't as deep as we sort of imagine Dortmund yeah. and Milan to be. So it wouldn't fully surprise me if Newcastle got second or third in the in their Champions League group. Don't think they'll win. I don't think they'll win their group because I think you know that's not possible. But I sort of feel like it's one of those groups where on paper it looks like really difficult. But when you actually dig into the squad, you go, that's they're not quite as deep as you sort of think they would be. Well, listen, I couldn't prove wrong. They could, they could just finish bottom of the group and have no chance. I think Bournemouth have done good business as well. Um, I think that they've they've bought smartly, they've bought young, um, they've bought good players for this new manager. So but only time will tell. You know, the issues with them is like the likes of like Alex Scott is injured uh for some time now, I think. Um, but even the likes of Max Ahrens, I think, is a good signing for them as well. Hmm. Gav, from your point of view. Are you sort of think done well, done, yeah. done weirdly? I mean, are you surprised City have like sold Palmer to Chelsea with big money, but with De Bruyne out to probably Christmas? It just seems, I don't know, you just look like the next cap off the rank Listen, for them. Well, when it comes to Chelsea and what they're doing, I haven't a clue what's going on. And I'm, I've nearly given up trying to explain um, or trying to work out 
what they're doing financially. You know, they were they were rooting down the back of a sofa for a few quid for so you say though, three weeks ago and they were just still signing loads of players. And I don't think any I don't know if anyone's left, you know, the sort of way. Um but the, like Chelsea seemed to me like just someone that's just gonna keep signing players until someone tells them to stop or puts a sanction on them and then they'll deal with the sanction. I think that's where Chelsea are. Um so what the, judging Chelsea is very, very difficult. Um someone mentioned Villa there. I think Villa have done well. I think uh Diaby mm. is a good signing for them. Um, Pau Torres is a sign, I think. Pau Torres, I find, is a bit overrated, but they needed a centre-back, and especially with Ming's uh, gone for what looks like a serious amount of time, I think um, having him in there is good, but they, they're kind of relying on him, Carlos and Conce, and I think if that happens one of them, they might be in a bit of trouble, but I think they've done well overall, Villa. West Ham have used the rice money brilliantly. Um, you know, they, I think I think they're, they're much, I think they're stronger. Than they were last season, and they'll need yeah. to be, and not, and that's not a slight on on Declan Rice. I have my, I have me doubts over Declan Rice in certain ways, um, the way systems and stuff he can play in. But I think they just have more bodies in there. It was always Rice and Suchek, and now they seem to have a couple of options, which I think is good. Um, there's gonna be there's gonna be movement tomorrow, but how much value do you get on on tomorrow? You know, unless you have a deal well down the road for a really a, a top target. It feels like you're filling gaps. You know you look all over the place. Like the fact that they're offering a million for Amrabat and a million in January if they decide to keep him and stuff like that just looks all over the place. Um, Lazlo says Villa are going in for Langley to try to get him as well, which 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 makes sense with the loss of Mings. Um, but look, there's plenty of teams have signed plenty of players. I think like you mentioned Newcastle there. Newcastle, like they brought in Liveramento, they brought in the the guy from Chelsea, the, the fullback, yeah, you know, okay, on top yeah. of what they've done already. Um, they they still feel a little bit light. Hmm. Maybe one attacker light, and maybe a midfielder light. Um, because I, when I think of Newcastle, I think of Almiron, Gordon, Harvey Barnes, and then I'm kind of going two strikers, maybe one more there. But I think I think they'll actually get out of that Champions League group, by the way. Um, yeah, I, do <clears throat> I think they will. Um and, and good luck to them if they if they do. But look, there's just loads of business going on. I don't want to go near Liverpool because we talk about that every day. But United look just look a bit it's a bit of a mad one at United. I feel like and I'm, this might be being a bit, you know, pie in the sky stuff, but that feels to me like there might be a bit of a point where it comes with Ten Hag where people start fucking turning on him fairly quickly. And the ownership stuff, I think, is protecting them a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see if they do anything tomorrow. They brought in Regulon. They're look, definitely looking for a midfielder because he refuses to play McTominay um, for some reason. And he's probably the best man to play him with Casemiro in there. But look, that's mm-hmm. the way it goes. Um, Arsenal, I think, they're, I think they're stronger than last season. But I think... The manager's overthinking it. I think he's overthinking it massively. I think with the players they have there at their disposal, they should be going out and trying to dominate high up the pitch and work to get the ball back quickly. But they're not. They're smelling themselves a little bit. And I think that's down to the manager. But Man City have lost De Bruyne for a while. Mares is gone. I know they've brought in a few. I don't know if they're stronger than last season, but they're probably closest to where they need to be of all the clubs. That's yeah. that's that's a fair thing with Man City, but it goes back to what someone said in the chat. It's a completely open season, and I think the, I think the performance of some clubs, and the lack of performance of others in the transfer window, I said, is is what's making it. It, it seems to me like, a lot of teams 
don't know what their plan is. And when, when, when you don't know what your plan is, it leads to madness. And I think that's what you're going to see this season. You're going to see an awful lot of upsets. You're going to see an awful lot of high-scoring games. And you're going to see an awful lot of pressure on managers very, very, very early in this season. And I'm talking, I'm not talking 10 games. I'm talking in three weeks' time, I think you could be going, he's out the door. Good luck. Do you know what I mean? Like a bit like, was it Frank yeah. the bar? Uh Palace, lost four. Good luck. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, no, it's been an interesting summer. Most teams probably have something to do. Mm. But then it gets to tomorrow, Chris, and you're like, is there any point in what they're doing there? Do you know what I mean? He's another body in. It's an announcement on deadline day, but what is he bringing? And that's where, but that's where they got themselves to. Come on, Gav, I've got a show to do tomorrow. Don't don't be killing that. <laughs> There's loads, loads of, you're just killing your show tomorrow. Oh, no, loads will happen. <laughs> loads will happen. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not going to. Uh, the thing is, like, loads we'll will definitely Gav. happen, but when you sit down tomorrow night at half nine, yourself, Kev, uh, Matt, and, and Dom, when you sit down tomorrow at half nine and you're discussing. Because I'm sure you'll run through all the teams while there's news coming in. When you actually look at what teams are doing tomorrow, how many of them do you go, oh, he adds massive to them? They always feel like they just add a bit of depth in numbers-wise, but unless an absolute banger comes out tomorrow, it'd be teams filling numbers, I think. And so you're not look- that's where they've so got themselves you- to. So what you're telling me is you're not looking forward to Kabak coming back, man? If Kabak comes back, I give up. I fucking really do. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go, I'll just oh, go and play golf full time yeah. <laughs> so honest. Kev who do you think will be the busiest tomorrow and you can't say Chelsea because they've been busy every pissing day so Chelsea's no, ma- I think I think there'll be three in at Manchester United tomorrow um, I think okay. they'll announce the, they'll get the regular one in, in the door they'll announce the Galatasaray or the I think it's Galatasaray I'm not sure but they'll announce the keeper from Turkey that they'll get in and I think they'll probably try to get Amrabat in the door. Uh, I think they pro- I think the way that the regular stuff happened, it looks like that was probably the cheaper option than getting Cucurella. That they were able to, that that might allow them the flexibility to get something done for Amrabat. So I expect three to be in tomorrow. I expect a few to go out as well. I think McDonnell will go out tomorrow. Um, I think Spurs will be busy with um, Hoiberg. Apparently, is strongly linked now to Fulham. So oh, there might be incomings. Don't tell him it. He'll be but, upset with that. <laughs> there might be incomings at Spurs. Um, I think there'll, there'll be, be a, a lot of business up and down the line. out from Spurs as well. Minimum, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the manager said, like, he's, um, as he said, he's got quite a bloat, in his opinion, a bloated squad. So he said to a few, he's apparently told certain players, if you want to stay, you can stay, but don't be moaning yet. You're not getting, not getting minutes off me. Hmm. Who those players are, I don't know. I mean, Luke, you know better than me. Eric Dyer, he won't play, I don't think, at Spurs. He was left out of the Carabao Cup squad, even though they made nine changes. Uh, Tangi and Dombele, he's not um, there. Obviously, they don't get played out. Huh? Yeah, still- yeah, yeah. He's back off long. You can't, you can't get rid of him. No, I, I just, him. He's one of those players. You, you, this is the thing with Strasser. There are certain players when you go, I thought he'd gone. Spurs just record he time. God. Okay. I know. Um, you'll see. I think uh, it's definite. It's like... Um, Oh, Brian Hill will probably go out tomorrow on loan again, I think. Is even you and Dombele, Brian Hill? I think he's quite, he looks quite decent. It was, like, it was like the worst deal ever, wasn't it? Because we uh, we paid money and gave Eric Lamella to Sevilla. And then we ended up just loading Brian Hill back yeah. to him. Sevilla, he won the, he won the Europa League, didn't he? 
Oh, but, you link with the? Uh, do you think you'll get the Forest striker? That's I don't think we'll get it. No. I think it's too complicated. I think you know Forest want too will want too much money. Spurs won't pay it. That's the pretty much what Spurs do. They want to always get something for nothing. Like you know, we were there was talks with with Fatty to Spurs, but I think it was the fact the straight loan with no obligation, no um, option to buy that Spurs weren't that interested. That's what that's what I believe happened with that. Whether you know, people talk the opposite and say that, well, you prefer to go and play to deserve it. I don't know if that's certain, but yeah, it, Spurs need to do something, but I, I agree with Gav, you know, who are they going to bring in? And like, it's it's going to be panic stations, isn't it? You know, we've said all summer, we need to we need outgoings now before we can bring incomings. Um, we still need another centre-back, in my opinion. Okay. Kev, so I look forward to tomorrow then. Yes, go off mute, mate. Sorry, I got to go off mute. Yeah, no, I love transfer deadline day. I always do. I always, I always watch it. I just go out of my way to watch it. But it's up and down the leagues as well. You know, it's it's not just what happens in the Premier League. It's who goes out on loan to where. The Nat Phillips stuff today, Nat Phillips going to Celtic. His first game could be in the Old Firm Derby on Sunday. You know, what, 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 what game to go and make your debut, you know. And they've got a, a centre-back shortage as well. It's only a short loan, six months. But it's a good move for him. It'll get him in the in the window. It'll get him in the limelight where people are are watching him week in week out. He'll get TV coverage as well, which is good. Uh, and it might help him down the line to get a permanent move away. European um, football as European football as well. I'm actually looking at the Champions League draws there now, and um, I tell you, it's far from a guarantee that Manchester United get out of that group. They're in with Bayern Munich, Copenhagen, and Galatasaray. And you never know what you're going to get with Galatasaray. Well, Copenhagen have been decent for the last few years. They're aside yeah. in, domestically, they're used to winning, conditioned to winning, and they're not going to hold any fear. And of playing a Manchester United, that'll be a big scalp. And Manchester United are not good. They're yeah, really, they're really poor at the minute. Well, that away form's horrendous. It was last season, and it's not get, it's not got much better so far either. That's their yeah. big challenge. It's a lot of pressure to say win your three home games and you should be fine, but that feels a bit of an ask, that to be honest, at the moment. Yeah. So good. Jolly good. I know. Gav, I'm looking forward to it. There'll be loads going on, that's for sure. So before we go, Gav, any anything from yourself? Anything any other news? Anything exciting going on? No. Just walking very, very hard. Um uh, genuinely I am. People think I just dos all day. I don't. Um I don't. I dos from about eleven o'clock at night. Till about one o'clock in the morning, and then I end up going back to work, and God knows what time I go to bed. No, um, it's just been very busy. Um, and look, just we're into the season now, so we're into a rhythm with 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 the with the podcast. So, um, you know, we'll do we'll do that show tomorrow, Friday. We'll be back on uh, Sunday for post match. We'll be back on Sunday night, and then we'll be back into next week and back to where. Bagging out shows on a daily basis, and we won't have to worry about transfer stuff. We can just watch the football, and when Liverpool well, goes, we can watch it all explode in front of us. Well, the women's transfer window's still open, so you know I can get another yeah, well, one that big up. Yeah, well, you'll be the one covering that, Chris. <laughs> like well, I'll be doing other stuff. Um, you know that that's your that's your realm. Um, it's not mine, yeah. admittedly. But um, now look, it's it's um it's just a busy time of year. Um, with this and, and other stuff, but now look, it's great. It's going to be great that the transfer window will close. I enjoy it. 
to a point. But I think it's going to be great when it closes and we just go, right, this is the football. You know what I mean? And the first person that refers to the yeah. transfer window when Liverpool don't get a result, they're just getting, you know, fuck off and all you need. Lashed out of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, just watch the games. If you win, we win. We don't, we don't. Um, Barry Devney wants a quiz week. Um, we can't do um, quizzes well, International anymore. break coming up, so... Well, the thing is, we do quizzes now and people moan if they're interactive because they can't use them. And if they're not interactive, people moan. And then the people that are taking part of them on screen think it's all a conspiracy against them. So quizzes are just like, no, we can't do I mean, and, so, and sometimes the answers to questions don't match up. So, you know, yeah, you... well, then the time you done the quiz and gave us the <laughs> wrong year for sponsors on jerseys was a joke. I still have quiz questions from two listeners um, in an email saved for a quiz. And I will get to them. But every time I went to get to them, Jordan, this, this window, it was like, Oh, this is at the coming up, or that's happening, and it was a, the course was uproar for most of the summer with Liverpool. So, um, but um, yeah, look, when it comes to international break, anything could happen. Or I definitely yeah. want, I I do a week of random chats to be perfectly honest with you, and non football random chats. I think that's where I want to go with it. Um, it's much better than quizzes. Yeah, Luke, thanks for coming on, mate. Um, I'm sure we'll have you on as the season goes through. Where can everyone find you, bud? Yeah, no, thanks again for for having me on. I always enjoy coming on. It threw me a bit this week actually when. Uh, when you said it was a Thursday, not a Friday, I thought... Thursday's a new Fridays, mate. That's all we need to do. Is it? Oh, I should have yeah. opened the beers tonight then, shouldn't I? Um, <laughs> Four-day week. <laughs> yeah, no, you can uh, just catch us over on Park Lane Podcast uh, every Sunday night, 7pm, uh, um, on all podcast platforms and Twitter, all the rest of it. But, yeah, no, thanks for, for having me on. Okay, good. Kev, this new Twitter now, because obviously it's called X, is it still called a tweet or do you call it something else now? I'm too old to understand this sort of stuff. You're, you're a man of science. You can call it Twix now for all I care. <laughs> it's it, it's just nuts. It's full of psychos. It's like you put out an opinion and it's like there to be attacked. Just turn off your notifications and get on with your day. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a cesspit. It always was a cesspit. It's got to be a cesspit for the rest of its days until it dies and we come up with something different. I've decided the best thing to do is just drop random stuff into into Telegram groups and just see it, see you bite. Because you know what, I've enjoyed that this week. I've had good fun in a Telegram group. Gavin Gav, Gav enjoys my uh, new IT case. So I thought just make up shits and giggles and walk away. Yeah, but I told you doing it all wrong. But you don't listen to me, so you've a couple of months well, to uh, polish know, well, polish this yeah, ego of yours and, and get ready for January. Listen, I, I people thought it was real, which I thought was really funny. People not realise I'm on the wind up, but you never. Mm. Know. They'll learn eventually. Right, shall we, shall we go, Gav? Mm. Yeah, you do what you want. It's up to you. <laughs> okay. So listen, thanks, Luke. Thanks, Kev. Thanks, Gav. Um, we'll be back tomorrow, 9.30. Me, Kevin, a couple more lads. And we'll talk about Liverpool, hopefully signing, Graffin Birch and a couple more players. Fingers crossed. See you later. Podcast Network.